This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by SeedsHereNow.com. With Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's Vault, and Easy Peasy Credit Card Checkout, you cannot go wrong with SeedsHereNow.com. Welcome to the show, Podcast World. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 746 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. I've got a great show lined up for you. Before we get to the main topic, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Turt Burglar. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Brohan78. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Indica Chris. I want to send a big thank you shout out to Gramps Memo. Let's send a big fist bump to a longtime supporter, my buddy Single T. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Rut Row. I want to send a big thank you shout out to a good friend, Lefty's Farm. Let's send a thank you shout out to Pack Northwest Dan. Let's send a big thank you to Ivan M. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Spartan420. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I do want to let you know that I was just on the Dude Grows show. I recorded what I think was a great episode with the Dude Grows crew. Uh, Scotty Reel is on a vacation, so I got to co-host the show and fill in for Scotty Reel. Uh, Maybe I've said too much already, but make sure to look forward and stay tuned for the episode of the Dude Grows show featuring myself as a co-host. Big thanks to my friends at the Dude Grows show for having me. Uh, It's a great show. I try to find my balance there. I feel like I should talk more, but also I feel like I'm interrupting a lot. Uh, I talk a lot enough here. Uh, it's, it's a whole new dynamic learning to have a co-host. So I hope you watch that. Hope you enjoy the show. We covered some great topics, Cover uh, showed some great photos. Shout out to my buddy ADHD Grower. Anyway, check out the Dude Grows show. If I'm going to talk about the Dude Grows show, you know I have got to talk about the Dude Grows Cup. That's right. Coming up at the end of July, July 30th in Fort Collins, Colorado, I will be attending and vending at the Dude Grows Cup. Come hang out. Come uh, smoke some dabs, smoke some flowers, grab some beans, shake my hand, get a selfie, get a fist bump. It'll be a great time to see you, meet you, reconnect with you at the Dude Grows Cup. More info is on the Dude Grows website. I'm sure that's dudegrows.com. Check that out for all the links, dates, deets, and info right there. Excuse me for clearing the throat. I did just take a fat dab right before I pressed record here. Took a fat dab of a concentrate. When I bought it, I was confused. Um, it is. It looks like it says Roig Biv Red. And then luckily, I've got a lot of friends with a lot of cool jobs. Somebody told me that this Roig Biv, I'm going to show that to the camera. I don't know if it'll pick it up from that far away, but it is the letters R-O-Y-G-B-I-V and then the word red. I'd read it as Roig Biv Red. One of our good friends told me that that is actually, it stands for red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, and red, which makes a lot of sense because this is a blend of headbanger and rainbow belts. 
and on the package, the flavor is, of, of course, described as gassy rainbows. So I just took a big old fat dab of this. It's got me a little bit choked up. It's got me coffee. So I do apologize for the uh, the funky throat here at the start of the show. That will go away. That's what you get when you listen to a dab and a grow podcast. Anyway, I wanted to let you know what I'm smoking and let you know why I sound like uh, like I'm clogged up here at the start. We'll get through that. Talking about the Dude Grows Show and the Dude Grows Cup. While I was on the Dude Grows Show, I did drop some hints, some information, some details that you guys may not know that I think I should share here with my audience since I said it on the Dude Grows Show. I recently told you that I put the plants out in the greenhouse to do a breeding project in the greenhouse. Uh, I have not revealed what plants are out there, but I did say on the Dude Grows show that I put a Jack the Ripper male outside. So the outdoor pollen donor will be the Jack the Ripper plant. There are two clones of the Jack the Ripper. They're in different places in the grow. Of course, different places. They can't be both in the same spot, right? There are two strategically placed Jack the Ripper males, uh, the same cut, the same male, just two plants, uh, two clones of the same plant in different locations. That way we can maximize pollen. Uh, we know how the air moves in there. We know what plants are going to get the most pollen. We got it set up how we want it, but the male plants that are in there are the Jack the Ripper. So all of the crosses they come from there will be the Jack the Ripper crosses. They will, of course, all be regular crosses. These are not going to be feminized seeds. They will be rags. So some of the Jack the Ripper crosses that you have seen may be being remade, restocked with the outdoor. Also, there may be some brand new stuff coming. Keep listening to future episodes. Stay tuned to the social media. I like to leak info like that slowly. I don't want to tell you the whole project. We just put them out there. Can't give you all the details and info already. Where do we go from there? All right. I was also on Caribou Heart TV. There's a great podcast on YouTube. Uh, It's more of a hang, not as much of a podcast, I guess, but it is on. It's a great hangout to watch. It is on the YouTube channel. If you go to Caribou Heart TV, C-A-R-I-B-O-O, Heart TV, Caribou Heart TV, that is how they spell it. I did hang out on their show. We had a great time. Uh, Shout out to all of my friends at Caribou Heart TV. There are like nine people over there. So I'm not going to start giving out shout outs. I don't have the whole list here, but shout out to everybody. Bunch of a great collection of personalities, Uh, ladies and gentlemen from across the uh, the nation. Uh, Great accents and great people all over the place. Good vibes. The whole crew is great. But I was on their show and in their show, uh, we did fall into a conversation about flowering times. And I do believe that in that episode, I said that flowering times are often like a speed limit. I do make seeds. Maybe you're not fully aware. I am the uh, the sole breeder, sole proprietor for Irie Genetics Premium Seeds. Maybe I can't say sole anymore because we do have the greenhouse, and uh, but I'm the the lead breeder, I guess, for Irie Genetics Premium Seeds. Everything is done under my uh, my supervision. But what I'm leading at is I make the seeds, I make the packaging, I put the labels on the packaging. When it comes time to determining how long a plant should be flowered, I am the one that writes the flowering time on the package of seeds. When you get a pack of seeds, it's very common that it will say uh, strawberry starburst, nine to 10 weeks flowering time. That's something that it would typically say on a seed package. Some of them don't say that, but it is listed on the website. And if it doesn't say that, I just have to update the packaging. Anyway, I am the one that puts that flowering time on there. How do I determine that flowering time? I've determined that by sending out a lot of testers of those seeds, by growing a lot of those seeds myself and taking them to full flower. I have a pretty good idea of how long they're going to take to flower because I have grown them enough to have experience with them. History, notes, uh, basically experience. So I write down this time it took eight weeks. This phenotype took eight weeks. This phenotype took nine weeks. Now I put an average together. I put that on the back of the package. It is my suggestion that you flower those plants for that long. That's why I put that on there. Now, keep in mind, there will be 
most of the phenotypes, probably 70 to 80% of the phenotypes that you find in those seed packs will fall within the time frame that I recommended. If I said eight to nine weeks or nine to 10 weeks, most of your phenotypes are going to fall within that window. There will be outliers. Uh, there will be some that most likely I am not even going to try to say that some will finish earlier. That's very uncommon. People that say their plants finish super early, I don't like that. I like later finishing plants. I'm not going to try to hype you up and make you think they finish earlier than they do. They're going to take nine, maybe 10 weeks. There may be some phenotypes in there that do go a little bit longer than the nine to 10 weeks that I recommended on the package, but it will be unlikely that you'll get earlier finishers. But uh, the 10 to 20%, they may go longer. You may get 11, you may get a 12 week finisher. That is just how genetics work. Sometimes there are outliers that pop up in population. That is just how it goes. So it's my recommendation that you go the time that I wrote on the package. When I say go nine weeks, I don't mean go uh, the end of eight week eight weeks and the start of the ninth week, I mean finish the ninth week. If I say nine to 10 weeks, I'm recommending to finish that 10th week, 70 full days. And I definitely recommend going longer on your first run with the plant. This is the first time you're growing it. Not the last time. We need to build a relationship with this plant and see what its potential is and what it does and what it likes and what it doesn't like. So the first run, why not go 70 days or why not take a few clones and run one 60, 163, 165, 167, and 170, and then 172 and 75. I know I'm being, that's a dream life, right? That's everybody's dream, but why do, do what you can to see how long that plant can go. Take it the full term and see what it does. It may get really good at the end. Some plants beef up, bulk up, put on different flavors right at the end. They get super potent right at the end. So give it the opportunity to finish. When I write nine to 10 weeks, I mean nine full weeks, maybe 10 weeks, possibly 11 is what I really mean on there. Think about it as a speed limit. The speed limit, um, it's cool if you go the speed limit, but you could go a little slower. You could definitely go a little bit faster. There are exceptions. There are, uh, there are variables. You could do it. You could adjust to traffic. Also, you have to adjust for phenotypes. If I took the same plant, so if I found a plant that finished, I dialed it into where I know that every time, 74 days, it's done. If I put it in your grow, it could take 69 or it could take 79 days. It could take five days either direction to take a little bit longer or earlier to finish because of the environment, because maybe you're growing, I'm in, let's say hypothetically, I'm in cocoa. Maybe you're in living soil. Maybe I'm running HPS. Maybe you're running LED. Maybe it's really humid in my room. Maybe it's really dry and really hot in your room. I don't know the differences, but there could be all of the variables in our rooms create more variables within the plant. So that is also going to contribute to the flowering time. It may take 74 in my room, 74. It may be overdone, dry, dead, and crispy in your room. Maybe it's lights, maybe it's air, maybe it's water, maybe it's soil, maybe you sprayed yours. Maybe we're playing different music. Maybe you touched yours in a different way. It could be any kind of different thing that is making our plants have every variable is a variable that you will see in the end. So you'll have to adjust for phenotypes. Some things may take longer in different rooms. Keep in mind, I said it is like the speed limit. You don't have to go the full speed limit. You can go a little bit faster if you would like. So when I put the nine to 10 weeks on there, I fully recommend you go at least nine full weeks, maybe go all the way up to 10, maybe 11 weeks. All right, let's jump into the next part of the podcast because I do have another great topic that we should talk about. Before I start talking about it, I want to say that I am uh, I'm not a scientist. I don't understand viruses. I don't understand all of the scientific doctor talk that comes along with that. Uh, I am not a biology major. 
Uh, I am a cannabis grower. I learned most of what I know about cannabis growing by growing cannabis. A lot of people go to school for it. I've got mad respect for you, uh, for the people that paid for an education that went to school. That is not how I learn. I'm a hands-on learner. So there are some areas where uh, I am not qualified to teach in a scientific manner. I'm going to teach you about the hoplite and viroid in the way that I understand. And we'll talk about the important parts that us as growers need to do, understand, and know about. So um, where I'm not even going to try to identify or explain what this virus is. There is a virus that is going around the cannabis community. Our plants are getting infected and getting sick. It is known as the hop latent viroid or HLV is what I see it listed as all the time. Uh, it is decimating crops. It is killing plants. Once it gets in the plant, I don't know of a way to get rid of it other than tissue culture. That is the only way you can, and that's expensive and also uh, not available to everybody. So hop latent viroid, how do we prevent this virus from getting into our plants? A lot of times this virus is transferred when we are cutting clones or doing work in the garden like lollipopping and bottoming. If you are working with more than one, I'd like to say change gloves and clean your scissors between every plant, but I understand sometimes in a commercial application that is not viable. Maybe change gloves and change clean your scissors between every row, or at least if you're working with like a row of blueberry and then a row of strawberry, change your gloves and scissors between those rows. So that way maybe you only infect one row. Try to keep the virus uh, contained if you do have it. So what we've got to think about is... Be careful not to transfer this virus from one plant to the other, from one row to the other, from one bed to the other, from one section to the other. Try to minimize the risk of moving a virus around. The things that we can do is we can clean our scissors. I've talked before about this on the podcast. I was corrected. We can use bleach to clean the scissors. Rubbing alcohol will not work. Clean all of your tools. I don't know if you're using a scalpel, a razor blade, scissors. Maybe just get a bottle of bleach water and spray everything down occasionally. Definitely soak your scissors in some bleach. Sterilize, clean everything. Get it super clean. Now is the time. Remember when there was a pandemic and we all went crazy and we started, not everybody, but a lot of people went crazy wearing masks and gloves. Now there's a pandemic in the grow industry, in the grow environment. For a while there, it was the russet mites. Now it seems to be the hop latent viroid. So now we've got to prepare and protect ourselves from that. So let's clean all of our equipment very thoroughly, very cleanly. Cleanly, is that the word? Whatever, I'm sticking with it. Clean your shit up real good. Also change your gloves. Uh, gloves are hard to get sometimes. I've ordered a lot of gloves and they seem to be coming in and they're trickling in. All the boxes I ordered are coming in in small batches, not all at one time. So change your gloves as often as you uh, economically can and as you seem reasonable. If you work at a commercial grow and you're changing too much, somebody may say something. If you're a home grower, try to keep those gloves fresh, especially from like row to row, definitely from room to room. So just keep yourself clean. Anytime you're cutting the plant, tearing the plant, removing a leaf, make sure that you are protecting yourself in some sort of way. The next thing I want to talk about is, are you getting where are you getting your clones from? Who are they coming from? Are they coming from a friend? Are they coming from the mail? There are a lot of services now that offer clones through the mail. If you do get a clone that comes from that service, and I'm not accusing or blaming, I'm just saying possibility, this is what could happen. If you get that clone that comes from a company that you don't know or they don't have any you don't, you don't know them. You don't, what are you going to do if they send you a clone with a virus? You're not going to find out for 30, 60, maybe 90 days that you've even got a virus. By then you've spread it to your entire grow and your whole grow's got a virus and you paid money for that clone, probably good money for that clone. So where are you getting your clones? I currently am not accepting clones from other friends or other people. If you if you're like, Hey bro, I want to send you a cut. And I'm like, not right now. 
it's nothing personal. It's just personal. I don't want to get the virus. It's we've got to be careful right now. This stuff, I, my plants are precious to me. I own a seed company. I own a, bre a breeding company. I've got to have, <clears throat> imagine if you wiped out my Arise male. Imagine if you wiped out my strawberry female. Imagine if you took out my grateful dog keeper. Like I, I don't have that again. It'd be gone. So if I got a virus, it could ruin everything. So I've got to keep everything clean. I recommend you take the same precautions. Love your garden, love your plants as much as I do. Protect that stuff. Now, that being said, do you have backups of your favorite plants? Um, some of my plants are my livelihood. Also, some of my plants are my pride and joy. I've made a lot of great stuff. I've got, so since I'm limited on plant count, here's where I'll branch off. Since I'm limited on plant count, I've, oh, it took a long time, but I've loosened up and I've given clones of some of my prized possessions to friends of mine to hold on for me. And I really hope and ask them not to spread those clones out, but I'm, I'm sure they're going to end up somewhere. But I tell my friends like, Hey, I know that you've got a good grow. I don't want to lose this. So I give them a backup. The lemon skunk is somewhere in a grow. The golden goat somewhere in a grow. The golden goats all over the place, but the original clone that I've got, it's been shared with friends. So they've got it. Uh, a lot of things are a lot of places so that if things do go wrong, if I do get a virus and things have to get wiped out and cleaned up, Hopefully I can email a few people, make a few text messages and calls and get a lot of my original lineup back. Hopefully if they don't get the virus as well, hopefully if I sent them the plants before I did get the virus, which I don't have, so that's fine. They've got the plants, but that's how it would have to go. So do you have a backup plan? Have you sent your clone somewhere or have you made S1s of all of your favorite plants so that you've got keepers? Do you have an idea and a strategy because this could wipe out your grow? There are a lot of things that could decimate your grow. Uh, but right now the focus is the virus, but do you have a plan? Do you have a backup for your clones, your seeds? What's going on? There could be a flood. There could be a power outage. Uh, one of my biggest fears is fire, all kinds of shit like that could wipe out your preserve. So do you have a backup somewhere? That's what I would start thinking about. All right. That is my quick ramble on the HLV. I told you I wasn't a Scientologist, a biologist, but I do know enough to help protect us as a grower. I know what we should do as growers and farmers to make sure we don't get this into our gardens. I do have one quick email that I will cover. Then we're going to wrap up this show. This email came from our friend who calls themselves Aussie Dank Grower. What's up, mate? Good to meet you. It goes a little bit like this. It says, what's up, Rasta Jeff? I hope you and your loved ones are doing well. Everybody is great, bro. Thank you for the love. It says two-part question, and I do like that. It says, I'm here in Prohibition land in Australia. The house I live in, I am renting, and I have a house inspection coming up. I have a 5 by 10 flower room, currently in week three, and a 5 by 5 in veg. What would be the best way to hide all of these plants? That's a really good, uh, entertaining question. Um, so my first answer would be I would have kind of planned around this. I would have done a little bit of uh, strategery around the inspections, but who knows when the inspections are coming and it's too late to prepare for that now. But you guys, if you're thinking about growing, setting up a grow, this is the kind of thing that you need to worry about. Will there be an inspection? Will there be like a housing inspection, a landlord inspection? Who's coming in there? Is there somebody coming to visit? Each grow is going to take about 120 days for completion. Do you have that much time without somebody coming into the home, uh, the office, the warehouse, the garage, the shed, wherever you're doing it, do you have that much security? It's too late to think about that now. The plants are already here. They're already growing. You're going to have to get those plants out of there, my dude. Uh, it says, what would be the best way to hide it? Do I hire a van or a truck or do I hide them all in a crawl space in the roof? 
or you, do you have any other sneaky ideas? Then it says, because I'm a renter, I'm unable. Oh, this is the second part of the question. Okay. Sneaky ideas. I think putting them in the crawl space or something, they're going to stink too bad. That's the easy way out. That is definitely the easy way. If you can prevent the aroma, I would just drag them all to another space. But I don't know if you've got the ability to hide these plants and hide the aroma from the, it's a home inspection from the, you're renting. So it's the landlord probably. I don't know how thorough their inspection is going to be. Sometimes um, it depends on the rest of the house. You know what I mean? If you walk in and the living room looks really good and it's all vacuumed and there's a blanket over the couch and pillows on the couch, like civilized humans live there. Uh, there's not piles of beer cans and fucking cigarette butts everywhere. And I'm not, I mean, you can have a beer can and a cigarette, but I mean like piled up in the corner. You shouldn't have fucking recyclable cans just piled up over there. Like it's a fucking sculpture. That's when the landlord's going to want to look around and see more They're like, how much are they ruining my house? But if you go in and you got like some house plants that look decent and you got, like I said, a blanket on the couch that's folded. You know what I mean? Like, like nice people put a blanket over the top of the couch and just clean it up. Don't clean up the toilet. So there's not piss everywhere. Just make them think that you're doing a, a little bit of work on the house, keeping it looking good. And when they walk through, they'll go, nah, we're out of here. This looks good. But who knows what they're going to do? They could climb under everything. They could get in stuff. So I would consider renting uh, a moving van here. We call it a U-Haul. I don't know what you call it there, but that's probably something similar, a Penske or something. The big box truck, just load them in there. Maybe you can rent something smaller, throw them in there for the time being, <clears throat> but you got to think about climate and temperature control in there. You also have to think about security of the plants while they're in there. You got to pay for the truck. There's a lot of things to think about there. So uh, I would probably would rent that truck and throw them in there. This is why I recommend grow tents. A lot of people are not fans of grow tents, but if you had two grow tents, uh, you could just move the plants, move the tents, take everything out, then put it all back. Right now, what you've got to do is get rid of the plants, then all the gear possibly. You gotta move all the gear too. They can't see the equipment. Then you gotta clean up the floor. <clears throat> you gotta clean up all of the evidence. You can't have any leaves, no nutrient bottles. Get rid of all of it, so be very strategic. The more I talk about it, the more I see you putting all of this into a moving van because you gotta load up everything, all the gear, nothing can be spotted because one small thing will make them think that you're growing in there if they do a deep enough of an inspection. So that's the first part. I'd go with the truck if that's an option, go rent the moving van and do that. Then it says, because I'm a renter, I'm unable to scrog my plants in case of having to move them. Would a scrog method be more beneficial or would you recommend another technique? Um, well, you already know that you may have to move these plants. <clears throat> Excuse me for the throat clearing. I do apologize. It's very unprofessional, but um, it's already happening. So what am I going to do? Um, we already know that you may have to move the plants. You're, you've got to do it. So a scrog would have screwed you. You would have been fucked. You couldn't get the plant. You would not be able to get them out of there to move them. So that would have caused you uh, much more problems. So I think maybe if you can individually scrog each plant, I don't know how big your pots are. If you've got something bigger than a seven or a 10 gallon pot, you can put sticks in the corners and make like a scrog out of those sticks and kind of control the plant with that one or use a tomato cage or start topping it. But you absolutely are correct that a scrog may not be beneficial. Um, another technique, maybe just tomato cages. Tomato cages are great. I've seen people use tomato cages on uh, your Australian. So I don't know if you call them the same thing. It's three hoops with three legs and you just shove the legs down into the soil. The plants start to grow up and then you just pull the branches underneath the horizontal hoops just pull the branches underneath there so that it gets more space and more airflow. Uh, or you can also flip that tomato cage upside down. Be careful with that pointy and those will go in your eye, cut those off. And you can use those hoops the same way to spread it out. You can also use a lot of bamboo sticks. I see people put bamboo sticks around the pot and then just use that to tie the, uh, 
tie the branches down to the sticks or just affix it to the sticks. Also, they make a lot of those new uh, LST clips is what I think they call them, where you can bend the branch over and just put a little clip on it and you can shape the branches by using these little clips. Those are great tools if you learn how to use those. But we definitely know that scrogging is not part of the options. Let's see, it wraps up. It says, I love the podcast. It keeps me going on my 12-hour shifts at work. Much love from Aussie Dank grower Aussie bro thank you for the great message I hope I helped you out a little bit I do look forward to the uh, feedback on how you're growing maybe a picture maybe some details then we can figure out how to kind of scrog and spread your plants out just a little bit more get some more light get a bigger harvest for you all right ladies and gentlemen boys girls pimps hoes friends foes smokers growers clone cutters pollen chuckers all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there I do want to thank you once again for listening to episode 746 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know that I would love to hear from you. The email address, of course, is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Also, make sure you check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash growfromyourheart. Everything else is on the website. There's a lot of stuff to think about. There are seed vendors. There's a merch link. Uh, there's a Discord link. All the good stuff is on the website, irigenetics.com. All right, my voice is burning out. It is time to wrap up this show. I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my friend Curbside Gardens. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mama a hug for me.